0: Season of Dana White's contender series kicks off tomorrow at the UFC Apex with five more pairs of hopefuls looking to join the 199 athletes that have already earned contracts to compete inside the UFC Octagon on the at- annual Talent Search series thus far. It's Monday, August 7th. I am E. Spencer Kite. This is the Keyboard Kimura Podcast presented by One Bone. From the time the Contender Series was announced and first rolled out as Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series, fans and media have seemed dubious of the need for another talent search show and also questioning the utility of such a program and and the purpose of such a program as they've watched over these six seasons and one three-week Brazilian competition 199 athletes graduate to the UFC roster, many of whom, in their eyes, have been brought in simply to replace aging, higher-paid athletes competing in the UFC. Of that 199 fighters that have earned contracts through these six seasons and and three-week Brazilian season, 144 of those fighters are still on the UFC roster today, which is a 72% retention rate. If we cut that down to just seasons one to four, as well as the three-week Brazilian run, then 64 athletes of the 117 that are in contracts in that stretch are still on the roster now, which cuts that retention number down to 54.7%. Obviously, the number is higher because season five and season six, those athletes are just in the early days of their UFC career. And so very unlikely that any of them are going to have already washed out of the UFC. I mention those retention numbers because as someone that has covered every episode, just about every episode of the Contender Series for the UFC website previewing and recapping the results, I've always looked at this show as another vehicle to just find talent and when I think back and I look back at the spreadsheet I keep of Dana White contender series records and results, I see a show that has produced a good number of talented fighters and a bunch of positive additions to the roster. And so the criticism has always felt strange to me. And now I get that there is always going to be the pushback whenever I say positive things about the UFC or its programming as I am a freelance contributor to the UFC website and have been for over a decade, and feel a kinship with the people that work on Dana White's Contender Series because it is something that I have covered from the beginning. But as I sit here today at the start of August and and a day away from the commencement of the seventh season, we've had one fighter graduate from the program and, and become a UFC champion, Jamal Hill who as of yet hasn't relinquished his title, but seems like that will most likely be the case. We've had Alex Perez fight for a title. We have Sean O'Malley in two Saturdays time fighting for the bantamweight title. And as of right now, we have 23 fighters ranked in the UFC top 15 that have come from the program. That's 11.5% of all the contract winners And 16% of those that are still on the roster. And for me, if you can get more than 10% of the athletes that have come through this show to be ranked fighters, you're winning. and, And winning handily. As much as there have been some quick washouts and some fighters that came in, lost a couple fights, and got bounced... Or came in and have been inconsistent. There has also been the Jamal Hills. There's also been a fighter like Grant Dawson, who earned a contract very early on, first season graduate, and has looked great since moving to lightweight. Or a fighter like Macy Barber, who has continued to improve and climb the ranks at flyweight, where she has now settled in. Or fighters like Myra Bueno Silva and Tyler Santos, who came off of that three-week Brazilian run, the former now in line, arguably, to challenge for the bantamweight title, and the latter having already challenged for the flyweight title. And so while I understand the pushback that these athletes have replaced some bigger, familiar names, my response to that has always been, one, those bigger, familiar names aren't being released simply because they're big names with big contracts. Their success in the octagon has waned. Their ability to compete at a high level that justifies or validates their price tag has has waned. And I understand that that sounds harsh, but that's looking at it from the UFC standpoint, right? That's not me saying, These people shouldn't be paid what they're paid. As always, I am for every athlete earning as much money as possible at all times. All of them should be paid more money. But if you're looking at it from the UFC standpoint, of course, bringing in young, fresh talent with upside and potential makes sense over highly paid, struggling veterans that are in their mid thirties or late thirties in the case of some of these athletes that have come and gone. And while there's always that initial pushback and that initial blowback, we don't seem to hear it when it comes to the athletes that have had a great deal of success from the contender series. There doesn't seem to be the acknowledgement that this show has produced a number of elite talents. And if we keep it just to those four seasons, keep it just to the first four seasons and that abbreviated, truncated Brazil run a couple years ago. Here's the names that are still on the roster that graduated from those seasons. And I would like somebody that listens to this that doesn't like the Contender Series and takes offense at Contender Series graduates holding a place on the roster. I would like somebody to point out all the names that I mention that don't deserve to be in the UFC or, or are so terrible that it is an affront for them to be there. So season one, Sean O'Malley, Jeff Neal, Julian Marquez, Alex Perez, Grant Dawson, and Matt Frivola. That is two top 15 lightweights in Dawson and Frivola, a top 10 flyweight and former title challenger in Alex Perez, a top 10 welterweight in Jeff Neal, a top three bantamweight and title challenger in Sean O'Malley, and a middleweight stalwart in Julian Marquez who has struggled to have consistency and has battled through injuries. They all seem like pretty reasonable, steady additions to the roster. If the worst you get out of that pack is a, to use a a stick and ball sport kind of analogy, a rotation player In Julian Marquez, a guy that can be your eighth man on a basketball team, ninth man on a basketball team, that's not a bad, that's not a bad run. That's a pretty good result. And that's six guys, six fighters out of 16 from that initial season that have stuck around long term and become fixtures in their respective divisions. This isn't six out of 26 or 36 as we're starting to get to in later seasons. This was a very selective group, and we have six, where five of them are ranked athletes. I would say that's a pretty good result. If we move to season two, the names of the graduates that are still on the roster and competing are Alonzo Menefield, Anthony Fluffy Hernandez, Ryan Spann, Macy Barber, Edmund Shabazian, Jimmy Crute, Sadiq Youssef, Chase Hooper, Kennedy and Zechiku and Ian Heinisch, who hasn't fought in a while, but as far as I understand, is still a part of the roster. So there again, we have two ranked light heavyweights in Menafield and Span. We have a light ranked flyweight in Macy Barber, a ranked featherweight in Sadiq Yusef. Kennedy and Zechiku was battling last weekend, this past weekend, for an opportunity to break into the top 15. Edmund Shabazian was there in the past and has struggled now lately. Fine. It just feels, and Anthony Hernandez is is ranked at middleweight or should be ranked at middleweight because he's on a nice little run. Well, guys like Chase Hooper have struggled and Shabazian is struggling now. Again, this is a good group of holdovers from a relatively small graduating class where we've got a potential future title challenger in Macy Barber and a bunch of steady divisional stalwarts up and down the rest of that group. And for me, from the outset of this program, that's what I've been looking for. It's not, I want to go out and find 37 champions. That would be great if you can find a whole bunch, a nonstop barrage of number one contenders. But that doesn't happen. Nobody does that. This to me is the UFC equivalent of the NFL draft or the NBA draft, where you're hoping to find an all-star or two, you're hoping to find a a long-term impact player. And if one of them becomes an MVP, which to me would be the equivalent of being a UFC champion, then that's a home run. And we've already gotten that. And so we continue forward. The all-Brazilian season, fighters that are still on the roster are Myra Bueno Silva and Tyler Santos. As I said, Johnny Walker, Marina Rodriguez, Luana Carolina, and Thiago Moises. So outside of the first two, Johnny Walker is still ranked and ascending at light heavyweight after having a very good run to start his career and some rocky periods in between. Marina Rodriguez was a top five strawweight for a number of years. She has slipped a little bit in losing her last two, but remains a stalwart in that division. Luana Carolina is sort of the Julian Marquez equivalent of this group, a rotation player coming off a win a couple months back against Anna Petrovic. And Tiago Moises is somebody that is just outside the top 15, resides in that second 15, at lightweight, has been in there with some very good fighters, only lost to quality competition thus far in his UFC run. Certainly a guy that, you're happy to have on the roster and happy to see graduate from this program. Season three is an interesting one because for my money, to my estimation, to my account, it has been the best and most successful season thus far. The fighters from that group in total have gone 88, 70, and one with three no contests. The athletes still on the UFC roster right now from that group are Punahele Soriano, Miles Johns, Miguel Baeza, Joe Selecki, Jonathan Pierce, Odey Osborne, Dante Mays, Brendan Allen, Sean Woodson, Jamal Hill, Billy Quarantillo, Alexa Kamer, Tracy Cortez, Rodrigo Nascimento, Herbert Burns, Andre Muniz, Philip Rowe, Dushko Todorovic, and TJ Brown. So not only does this group, not only does season three produce the first DWCS grad To win a title in Jamal Hill. But you have Jonathan Pierce. Who is on a five fight winning streak. You have Brendan Allen. Who's on a very good run. And climbed into the top 10. In the middleweight division. With his win over Bruno Silva last time out. You have a stalwart. Like Billy Quarantillo. Who just got a good win on the weekend. Over Damon Jackson. Has been in that second 15. At featherweight. And is the kind of rotation player. That you're looking for. Right. Is the kind of. This is an absolute win if we find a bunch of these people and so far the show has produced that. You also have Tracy Cortez, who is undefeated since getting into the UFC and is set to return here not too long from now against another graduate from a future from a season further down the line, Jasmine Jazdevicius. Again, good group with good overall returns. Season 4, by contrast, has had the least success. It has been the group that has struggled the most. They are 67, 79, and two with one no contest in the UFC octagon thus far. That is a group, in terms of the athletes that are still on the roster, that is made up of Dustin Jacoby, Urosh Medić, Jordan Levitt, Adrian Yanez, Corey McKenna, Cheyenne Vlismas, Joss Parisian, Jamie Pickett, Jeff Molina, who is currently suspended, Jamie Flick, Ronnie Lawrence, who announced a recent departure, Phil Haas, Tafan Chukwi, Aliashkab Hizraev, Danielle Wolf, Carlos Alberg, Ignacio Bahamundes, Luis Saldana, Natan Levy, Nicholas Moda, Luana Pinheiro, JP Baez, Tucker Lutz, and Victoria Leonardo. Of that group that is still on the roster, some of those fighters have certainly struggled. Leonardo has struggled. Tucker Lutz has lost three straight. JP Bays is 0-3 in the octagon fighting this weekend and feels like he's probably going to go 0-4, unfortunately, just being honest. Danielle Wolfe didn't, to me, I remember that fight against Tanisha Tennant. I didn't think she won that fight. And yet she got a contract. She has fought once since then and doesn't look like somebody that is actually a long-term part of the organization or somebody that we may not ever see compete again. And then there's also the group that this is the season where we had a bunch of washouts. This is the season where Dustin Stolzfutz struggled. TJ Laramie was two and out. The Coasey brothers have struggled. William Knight had a couple wins, but then went on a bad run. Jamie Pickett, who competes this weekend has struggled. Gets another shot this weekend. Draco Rodriguez didn't win a fight. Jordan Williams didn't win a fight. Colin Anglin didn't win a fight. Uh, Jared Vandera stuck around and got a whole bunch of kicks at the can because he's a heavyweight. I mentioned Bays. Gloria De Paula went one in three, and Leonardo herself is one in three in the UFC. And so, a season like that, where you took a bunch of swings, I understand that. Anybody that wants to be critical and point to season 4 and say, "Well, here's here's where it sucks. Here's where it it falls short." You're not going to get an argument from me. There are a lot of athletes of that group from that season that got opportunities that maybe felt not necessarily undeserved, but a little bit early, a little bit too much too soon for who they had faced. And and for me as somebody that watches it regularly and, and keeps track of this stuff, I felt that at the time that was the first season that felt like we were starting to run a little bit thin in terms of prospects that were coming into the season. The ironic thing is that after a rough season four, the group from season five right now is trending towards and tracking towards being the best group of the bunch. Because while we don't have a champion from this group yet, we have a bunch of contenders already and some impressive fighters already, which include Azamat Mirzakhanov, Joe Anderson Britu, Jaelton Almeida, Jack Della Maddalena, the aforementioned Jasmine Jazz Michael Morales, Michael Malott, Kyle Bahio, and Javid Basharat. That group, that collection from season five, has thus far gone 64 and 45. Inside the octagon. So they are 19 fights to the good. And that includes a couple of fighters that have gone 0-2 and have struggled thus far. And so I look at this season, and I'm not going to get into season six because they've had zero between zero and two fights. I think Claudio Hibero is the only athlete from season six that has gotten three fights and he's one and two in the UFC. But I look at this show and I look at the athletes it has produced. And I just don't understand how you can look at it and be critical of the talent coming off of it as a whole. Yes, there are certainly athletes, as I said, that got an opportunity, struggled, and were absolute busts. But again, to, to look at it from a you know NFL draft, NBA draft perspective, show me a draft that doesn't have busts up and down the first round. Show me a draft where there isn't two or three people that, that some team invested in thinking this is a future contributor. This is a cornerstone for our franchise. This is a top 10 pick this year that washes out in two or three years, or that just becomes somebody that bounces around from team to team as a backup. So we've certainly had that. And there have certainly been Competitors that have struggled to be consistent. Josh Parisian fights this weekend coming up against Martin Budai in a all-contender series graduate heavyweight slugfest. Parisian's two and three. He's alternated losses and wins throughout his UFC career. That would be that journeyman player on an NFL or NBA team. A guy that just kind of bounces around from spot to spot because he can fill in on the O-line or it can be a ninth man that uses up his four fouls, five uses up his five fouls, excuse me, against another big. And so to look at the shortcomings and the struggles without really acknowledging to me the athletes that have come off this show and just been absolutely elevated by being here feels like looking for ways to be critical and I'm all for being critical, but but put it in full context. Put it in full perspective. Because there are certainly ways to be critical of this show. 100%. There are reasons and avenues to question the necessity of this show, to question the number of contracts being handed out. And last year, we had, again, a record number of contracts Handed out where just about everybody that got a victory got a contract. And I personally, I think that is the wrong way to go. I think you look at the lasting success of that six pack of fighters from the first season of that 16 that got contracts. That to me is the better way to go is being selective and having a few of these people just be men and women. We're going to keep an eye on and we're going to remember and maybe we'll call back at another time because we've certainly seen a lot of that as well. Remember, these numbers, these results, don't include the myriad fighters that were on the Contender Series and have since returned, including guys like Dan Ige and Kevin Holland and Alessandro Costa in a very recent season, opening episode of of last season, in fact. And so, to me, if you're going to be critical, present the full picture. Present that there have been successes. And if the argument is there haven't been enough successes, I then want to know what is the measurement for enough success? What is it that we're looking for from this show, from these athletes that gets us to a level where it's considered enough success to acknowledge that this show is working? This show is doing what it is meant to do in terms of bringing fresh talent into the UFC. Because again, if 16% of the athletes that are still on the roster are ranked in the top 15 in their respective divisions, you can't just say that this group is exclusively bottom tier talent that is replacing veteran names and being sort of filler on all of these fight cards. Because we have the evidence We have the results that say that that isn't true. We have 23 athletes in the top 15 in their respective division. And if you want to say, well, fine, the other 84% haven't gotten there. Again, I ask, what's the measurement? What's that number got to get to for us to acknowledge that this thing has done what it's meant to do thus far? I've talked about this, essentially the topic of this podcast in the past with Harry a couple of times. And he and I have, when we've, when we've discussed it, the position I've always held and maintained is the one I'm maintaining here. If each season produces you two or three top 15 fighters, then that's a win. And now it's less of a win as we're going forward in season five, six, and upcoming in seven, where it seems like there is more contracts being handed out. And so that that number is reduced. Right, We have five fighters that are still on the roster from season season one that are ranked athletes. That's a great return. Five out of the 16 that got contracts are currently still ranked fighters in the UFC. That is a great, great return. I don't think there's any way to question and to challenge that season one was a success. That that group has produced success. Season two hasn't produced as many lasting long-term, heavy, long-term ranked athletes. And I'm sure some people would quibble because a couple of them are at light heavyweight where it's a little bit easier to be ranked. But the Brazilian season saw 11 athletes get contracts. Half of them are still on the roster. A couple of the ones that are no longer on the roster in Rogério Bonterre and Augusto Sakai were ranked prior to their departures. Howley and Paiva, at one point, ranked at, at Bantamweight as well. So that group has, to me, exceeded what was expected of them. And then as we go forward, season three produced a champion and a top 15 fighter and Brendan Allen, who's on a run, and Tracy Cortez, who's undefeated, and Jonathan Pierce, who's on a five-fight winning streak at featherweight. So like it just feels to me like the criticisms land awkwardly for me. It feels like another one of these things where people don't like that it bears Dana White's name, don't like the overall feeling of bringing in fighters on low pay packets where they occasionally, sometimes often, replace veteran fighters on larger pay deals. As if that doesn't happen quite literally in every sport. And it just, I don't know. I struggle with this one because I look at the success and I look at the athletes that this show has put into the octagon that people are excited about. If we just even look back at last season, so season six, some of the graduates that have had success already and have shown promise in the octagon, through their first couple fights. Joe Pfeiffer has looked good. Chris Duncan has looked good. Nazim Sadikov is 2-0. Mick Parkin looked like a real addition to the heavyweight division with his win over Jamal Pogues a couple weeks back in London. Cameron Simon is 3-0. Denise Gomes has knocked out her last two opponents to look like a very promising young fighter in the strawweight division. Mateusz Rombetski is 2-0. Vitor Petrino looks pretty solid as a young 25-year-old emerging light heavyweight. Gabriel Bonfim is 2-0 with two first-round finishes over veteran-experienced guys in Munir Lizes and Trevin Giles. His brother Ishmael Bonfim looked good in his debut, caught a loss last time out, but he can't be counted out. Everybody seems to be in love with Trevor Peak as an absolute lunatic that goes out there and gets into crazy fights. Daniel Marcos is 2-0, coming off a good win over Davy Grant. Jafel Filo gave Muhammad Makayev hell in his debut and then beat Daniel Berez a couple weeks back in London. And then there's Bo Nickel, who just might be the most highly regarded prospect in the UFC right now. And I understand the argument is you could have just signed Bo Nickel. He doesn't have to go through this. But this is the other thing that is weird to me that it feels like people constantly miss. So a bunch of fighters that were announced for this upcoming season of the contender series, I saw responses when it was announced that they were going through that program, that they should have been signed right away and they should have just gotten straight pass in. And a bunch of it was from following people that follow cage warriors. So UK media and fans that were all screaming about guys like Oban Elliott and. George Hardwick having to go through contender series. And my response and my pushback is that actually going through the contender series is a benefit, not a detriment because we've seen over these seasons, over these years, that fighters that have that Dana White contender series diploma, if you will, get a little bit more attention, get a little bit more of a push, get some more main card placement, find their way into the Dana White social media, if you don't know, now you know segments. And so while someone like Hardwick, who is a Cage Warriors champion and has looked phenomenal, certainly merits the opportunity to just walk right into the UFC and compete and could hang, absolutely. He's going to actually get a bigger bump and a greater opportunity if he goes out this season sparks some dude at the apex and then makes his debut as a contender series graduate, right? We've seen other fighters in similar positions that have just signed with the promotion that don't debut further up the card. They debut early on in comparison to some of these contender series guys. Bo Nickel is always going to be the outlier, but Raul Rosas Jr. got a real good showcase. Out of the gates. Ikram Aliskarov got a really good showcase. Out of the gates. The Bonfim brothers, as I said, at UFC 289, it was a good story. Far Jack Jenkins got a good placement in his debut in Perth earlier this year. There's a benefit to it. Anytime the UFC can elevate somebody that they found, that they feel like they discovered, they're going to. And so for all the complaints of why do they have to go through it, going through it is actually a positive in many regards. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to get favorable matchups or better matchups or anything like that. It doesn't guarantee them any kind of success over their non-contender series contemporaries, but it gets them a little bit more of a spotlight because whatever Tuesday in the next 10 weeks that they step into the octagon, They are one of 10 individuals that we are going to be paying attention to on that day as opposed to being one of 15 sets of fighters or 13 sets of fighters on a random fight card wherever it is that most people are saying, you don't have to worry about this card. I don't know any of these people. This again is another one of those introductory moments, introductory opportunities. Every single fight on the Contender Series, before they get into the cage, we get anywhere between about five and 10 minutes of video footage and video introduction to the two principals set to walk into the cage. So if you want to know who these men and women are, watch the show. You literally, quite literally, get introduced to them learn their story, hear about who they are and how they got here. And then if they win, they get a push. They get a showcase. They get a little bit more backing behind them because they came through this program. And so I get, as I said early on, the desire and the want and the avenues for saying the ultimate fighter doesn't produce fighters anymore. Looking for a fight hasn't really produced anybody great. Why do we need another one? The Contender Series has worked. It's worked. This has been a successful, profitable, useful venture. And if anybody wants to say that I'm saying it just because I work for the UFC or because I want to put a positive spin on this, again, go look at the athletes that have graduated out of this program and the number of them, those 23 men and women that are currently ranked in the top 15. Sure, all of them probably would have gotten here one way or another. But a bunch of them have just worked their way up. Right? A bunch of them weren't highly sought out. They they weren't all bone nickels, right? Bo nickel is the home is is the easiest signing ever. Shouldn't didn't need to go through it. Anybody would have signed him. Makes all the sense in the world. Sean O'Malley wasn't somebody that came in and just rolled right into contendership. He's a 24 year old kid that had far fewer tattoos and just curly brown hair. He's worked his way to where he's gotten. Same with Jeff Neal, same with Grant Dawson, especially Matt Frivola who lost his debut and then fought Lando Venata to a draw in his second fight. So kind of stumbled out of the gates and up until not too long ago was a 500 fighter in the UFC but he's worked his way forward. And some of those athletes on season two, same thing, same with season three, same with the Brazilian group, same with season four. These aren't home run candidates that are coming in. And it's easy to look now and say, well, we all knew Sean O'Malley was going to get here. We all thought he might. He showed some promise. He has a world of personality that has helped carry him and vault him from the beginning into the spotlight. But that's what happens when you get Snoop Dogg co-signing. And for every O'Malley, there's a Brendan Allen that has just quietly worked his way forward and gotten better from the couple of losses that he's taken. Or a Billy Quarantillo. Or a Tracy Cortez, who quietly is undefeated in the UFC. This show is working. You may not like the conceit of it. You may not like the naming of it. You may think that... Bringing in young, inexpensive talent, sometimes at the expense of older, more veteran names that everybody seems to care about when they're on their way out or they get released or their contract doesn't get renewed. Fine. As always, with everything I talk about, everything I write about, everyone is free to their opinions. And entitled to them, don't have to agree with me. But this show has worked. 16% 16% of the fighters that graduated from this program and are still on the roster are ranked in the top 20, top 15. Excuse me, of their respective divisions. We may have a second champion next Saturday if Sean O'Malley beats Aljamain Sterling. I don't know what more people need to see in order to say, yeah, it's worked. You can still say, I hate it, I don't like it, I wish it didn't exist. But at least acknowledge that this show has produced a whole lot of talent and a whole bunch of fighters that people know, care about, and are going to continue to see competing at the top end of the UFC going forward. This has been the Keyboard Kamura Podcast. I'm E. Spencer Kite. We'll talk to you later in the week.